0: Our discipleship processes and, and, and all of that. So, community groups and those uh, the disciple part. And so, he agreed to come on as our director of discipleship and to serve in, a, in a, really in a, a servant way. And so, beginning I guess this week we've we been talking about that. Right? Um, Rory will be taking over. So, your community group leader, Rory is going to be your point person, and he's going to be directing guide guiding that. And he's to be He's done a great job, uh, just talking about it, thinking about it, I know he's going to do a great job. So Rory, you've got me, you got look
1: this one. This uh, a perfect picture of yours. Oh, <laughs> i Okay, thanks. Uh, I, 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 I have completely, if I was wrong, I couldn't talk. I'm sorry,
0: uh, You have
1: know, now, we are good now. All right, all right. Rory. Um, and uh, it's such an honor and uh, a blessing to get a chance to do this day in. Thanks for trusting me with this opportunity. Uh, my wife and I, Shannon, uh, have loved uh, being a part uh, of, uh, the city of the Sickle Boat family so, what, since March. Uh, right, we're, we're getting to know some of you guys. Many of y'all probably know us by our festival level as we come in here. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got four other uh, little munchkins who come with us uh, Ruth and Rex, who are eight, and then we have Molly now and Hut, who are six. Uh, so, um, man, excited about this next step, kind of deeper into what God is truly doing here at Central Hope. And so blessed by uh, the community already, the leadership uh, that uh, we get the chance to be under. And so the chance to be a part of uh, this family (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> The I didn't deliver it very well, so probably it's with more updates. But you guys- as he makes man in his own image to share with humans his life. He's part of that story in Genesis 1 2 that God plants a tree. Actually, he plants two trees, but that's another story for another day. He plants a tree, uh, called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he says to the man and the woman, Don't eat of that tree because in that day you will die. Now, he plants that tree not to give them a test and it will fail, but he plants that tree to give them an opportunity to trust. That the human will corresponds to God's will, we want what He wants, and then ultimately can submit to the will of God when our wills are in conflict, when we understand, when we trust that our God meets the core needs of our being. And you see that in this story. He gives them all that they need, and He gives them the opportunity to trust them in His command. Now, we're going to come back to this. This is not in Genesis 1 and 2. This is not called out in the scriptures, but you can see it down in there. This is kind of sociology, anthropology, but in general, when you look at humanity, you can see that we have four core needs of our soul. The first need is power, which is a longing for influence and recognition. We want to be realizing our. World matters, and it's created beautiful and enjoyable that we might enjoy. And we're we have a core need for approval, but that we have this deep longing to be accepted, to be desired, and, and our need to have those core needs fulfilled. This trust being essential to our relationship with our Creator uh, is built into the very nature of our design. I and mean, we see that we are believing that we have, uh, at the core of our hearts, the need to trust in something or someone to fulfill these deepest desires. Now, I don't think you guys to realize this, especially some of us who are married. even to be married to this, right? Every time, think about the, the worst arguments that you have had, right? The, the most hysterical arguments you've ever had have always been the most historical arguments you've ever had. And, and what I mean by this, is that when something happens, somebody does that thing, you go on and you react not to that moment or that thing. You never turn to the city and go, need to trust at the very core of who we are and as we see in this story uh, the complexity of the complexity of our life what God wants for us ultimately is trust in him that's what he's doing in our lives every wherever you're at whatever's happening in your life you can know that God is engineering in you a deeper so we see this incredible call, and we see this relationship bound between Creator and creation as His image bearers around this dynamic of trust. And then we see it completely blown the curve. That, that all of this opportunity for life and creation and relationship is lost as humans get co-opted into an evil that's already present. There's this evil force there. It's represented as a snake. And the snake attacks uh, with the man and the woman, the very trustworthy decision. and the humans believe a lie, and they join this rebellious agent of evil, and abandon our trust in our Creator, and instead trust in a created thing rather than our God. And they look to the fruit to get power, control, comfort, or approval, rather than trusting God. And what results is chaos and destruction where relationships are broken, where they were create for to be fruitful and multiply, is frustrated uh, and becomes painful, uh, where creation itself is corrupted. God made this world to respond to your and my dominion, but our sin breaks it. And these corrupted images that in this story combine to form corrupted systems and governments that drive destruction even deeper. We point the finger of God in our world. How can loving God allow us? The reality is that, is that the fingers need to be pointed at us. It comes from our sin, our lack of trust, and the evil that comes from it. But right in the middle of this tragedy, there is hope, at the very beginning of the story. In Genesis 3:15, God makes a promise as he responds in grace to do something about this sin. Where he promises in Genesis 3:15 that he will send an offspring of a woman to crush the snake's head. And as so he does so, he's going to receive a wound that is uh, somehow injurious, failed to him as well. And the snake crusher, then, from Genesis 3 on, becomes the central character in the story that the Jews were living their life around. Behold, the, the Old Testament. I mean, you see, first of all, in this, that God's plan to bring about his life being and reign and rule through a human being still remains. That's still plain. Just the pain increases significantly. And as Genesis continues, you see that the seed, this, this man born from woman, is going to come through uh, the, the, the family of a man named Abraham, and his descendants are going to be given land, and through his descendants, all the people of the world will be blessed. The story continues then from Exodus uh, on through Deuteronomy, uh, where Abraham's people become a great nation uh, called the nation of Israel, and they're freed from slavery in Egypt, and then uh, appointed to the land that God is giving them through a man named Moses, and along the way, God gives his people laws on how they need to live in that land so that the nations will see God's greatness and come to them for blessing. And these laws are kind of funky lot of times. Like, you know, laws about like, you gotta build rails on your roof, and if if you get mold in your wall, like you gotta knock that wall down. But my, my favorite is, hey, if you're chopping wood with an axe with a friend, and the axe head falls off your axe and kills your friend, you can run to a sanctuary city so that his relatives won't kill you. Like that seems like an oddly specific law to me. Like, I'm like, just build a better axe. Like that's kinda that's kind of the answer. Now part, part of the issue with the word that law functions significantly different uh, in, in the ancient world than it does today. Uh, but the main point of all of these laws it seems super random uh, it, is that the life-giving rule and reign of God through his people that God wants to, to, to use to accomplish his plan is for the every day. And the everyday things of life, like dealing with mold and agriculture, uh, and just life is the way that then the life back to the earth too. That they start calling the nation of Israel the vine that God has planted to bring life and rescue and shame and redemption to this broken world. You are God's vine. Look into this. And as the prophets are speaking, that seed, that promised one that's supposed to come remains the hope. As the story goes, it continues to be revealed he's not just going to be a, a random guy. He's going to be a king. The, the line of David all of israel the jews are waiting for this rescuer this christ this anointed one to come so that they can recapture their purpose and become the vine that they're supposed to be the way god is going to bring life back to this world of death so we got it now that's the hype and so john 15 Jesus is going to stand in front of his audience. He's going to say this. He says this. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine. Every branch of that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch He was supposed to blow up. right? Jesus just said this homeless carpenter from a backwater town that I am the true vine. I am the way that life is going to come back into this world of death. That, 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 he, that, that he says that, that look, I have come to, to rescue him. Indeed, that it comes through world. As he's talking about then the the, the taking away of the branches, he's talking about it's no longer going to be political, national Israel. Right? He's also speaking to us helpless, saying, like, chill out. You're in. Like, I've already started to bear fruit in your life. I've already made you clean. You're bearing fruit. You're part of the plan. Rest. You're redeemed about the business of being this mind. And then what he says is not only is he the true mind that this life and rescue is coming through me and those who follow me, but he says that those who put their trust in me, or well, I will partner with you to bear fruit. God's means of life in this world are those who follow Jesus. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, abide in me And I and you as a race. The fact that he is your living and active partner in being the primary way the life-giving rule and reign of God is going to come to the, the to the world around you. You, by the grace and power of God, are the primary means that people are going to encounter is redemption, is rescue, and is life-giving affordable. He says this. He says, "Ask whatever you wish; it's going to be done for you." that partnership with Jesus. Jesus, I have Jesus as our To make the lives of people who bear the image of God to have their lives flourish, have them be made better. Whether it's serving chicken, that's delicious, helping people grow beautiful green lawns, or, or, or taking care of somebody who is sick, whatever you are doing, you're Relationship with your Creator through me, you have watched bring life to this world. That's what he's about. It's what it's go ahead. So I, I, I do this sometimes just to kind of focus myself and just encourage myself and before a, a long day. Again, I'm going to ask you to do this with me. and may seem a little kind of try or late, but maybe this will stick. Um, so go ahead and And some of the fruit you're going to watch God bear in your life will be amazing, incredible answers to prayer, and powerful things that happen through your life In eternity, the greatest grandmother that has ever been. Like, I'm sure there's a score chart out there. And that's that's what she was going to do. Like, excursions and experiences and costumes and learning events and volcanoes. And she was going to do it all. And it was going to be amazing. And she battled cancer for 15 years. And, And cancer slowly ate away. was that, and that was his plan for her and how she was gonna bear fruit. And you know what? Jesus referred to the very things of God. And we've been overwhelmed over the last two weeks with letters and calls and visits of people just saying, Kathy touched my life in incredible ways because what came from that submission to Jesus and trust him was the fruit of resilience and a strength and an independence that spoke to the glory of God to so many people in so many ways that like I'll never imagine. Jesus in all circumstances is calling us to the fullness of joy because we trust in him we will experience then This fruit that brings life to others that we will create. We escape from despair to eternal life. So the question is then, If this is the promise, how do I get access to that? And so often we just come and be like, "Jesus says this, which is true," and He's gracious to deliver. Many of us have have touched that and experienced it. But Jesus right here gives us the manual, and He says the way to bear this fruit, the way to enter every moment of your day into this eternal life is to. Abide, like, sounds like a Thomas campaign, you know, fire, with a warm cup of tea. Like, Jesus is like, hey, you I get this? Just snuggle, snuggle with me. Like, it just it, it doesn't communicate, I think, what it really means here to abide. It's being translated by smarter men than me, so I'm sorry for my disdain. But it's translated from the Greek beneo, which means to wait, to remain. And I think what it really means to abide is not just kind of cozy up and be comfortable in the level of Jesus. What it means to abide is a moment-by-moment, guts-ball fight to trust that Jesus is the satisfaction of what needs. That's what he's doing. Jesus says to abide in him and abide in his love, and if you will just do that, fight to trust that he's the satisfaction As we define it here's essential hope, which is to meet somebody's need, it is actually far harder to allow ourselves to be loved by God and truly loved by God, for He is the one that's meeting our deepest needs, than we actually think. That's I struggle with it. I fundamentally, on a moment to moment basis, do not believe that I really have what I need. that through the life death, and resurrection of Jesus, when it comes to my need for power, well, Jesus is the one that recognizes me, not because I'm awesome, not because I am beautiful, but because I'm made in His image, He is the God of love, and the God who spoke light control, uh-huh. I things go according to my plan, Jesus is the one that's in control, he loves me. I can trust him, and he and I have all control that I need. When it comes to comfort, we validate that Jesus is alive, and by the Spirit ministers to us our deepest needs the pleasures and the love of life around us, and Jesus, knowing him, being with is always enough and better than anything else we might to pursue. When it comes to approval, oh, Jesus by his grace, not because of anything I've done in my sin, in my grossness. Jesus loves me unconditionally and he delights in me. We must fight the fight of faith to abide to remain in that provision of our deepest needs. We're going to live in the fullness of life connected to the true vine, being the branch that bears its fruit. I mean, think about it. What is it that keeps you from bearing fruit in your life? What is it that keeps you from doing the things you know you maybe shouldn't do? What is it that keeps you doing the things you know you ought not to do? It at core is the belief that I don't have what I need. And so therefore I don't wait. I don't abide on God to provide that me. I go out and use a created thing and go ahead and take the thing that I think that I need most. Or don't give the thing that I have because I'm scared I don't have enough. But the truth, the promise, is that Jesus is the satisfaction and what body looks like? What trust looks like is not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's not really until I feel like it's gonna meet my need, and then I'll let it grow. No, it is an act of belief, it's an act of trust to actually act as if the promises of God. Not an analogy, the very real presence of a living Christ here in the body of Christ. So where is Jesus? His grace, his mercy, he's not disappointed, he's not angry that you fail. He is just inviting you to join in this eternal life. Where is he inviting you? Start from inside out. Where in my heart, then where in my home, then where at my job, then where in my community, where is he calling me into being a source of life and blessing, and how is he what I need to actually follow me in this doing? In life, it is hard, and he is faithful, and He's true, and He's present, and He's given us one another. We might bear this fruit so we might know his joy that our joy may be full. May he be good. Let's fight together and trust him. That's all I right. say. Jesus um, man, you would do everything necessary to give us access to your plan power in your presence because of your great love and mercy and faithfulness is incredible. You are good. You are glorious. You are great. We we don't